Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Third and final hour of the Pete Callender Show, up and running with your guest host, former congressman and WBT talk host, Jason Lewis. Always great to be back on WBT. Can't tell you how many uh, people I recognize when they call and the guests we've had and all of that. It, it really is uh, a wonderful experience to come back every now and then, and, and I, I do enjoy it. i got to be honest with you. So, Beetle Bumper Friday continues, along with a little Beetle trivia. Also, I do want to get to two other things. One, past the salt and pepper. I'll get to that in a moment. Actually, it's just the salt. I'll get to that in a moment. However, at the bottom of the hour, a lot of people have been calling and asking, hey, Jason, what are you doing these days? I mean, you're you're quasi-retired. You're done with Congress. So what are you, you, know, what are you doing? Well, I'm writing a newsletter at Jason Lewis, or it's actually Jason's newsletter at jasonlewis.substack.com. Run over there and subscribe, and you can get the newsletter weekly and keeps you up to date on all things DC and a few funds items as well. And then I have released a book called Party Animal, The Truth About President Trump, Power Politics, and the Partisan Press, which details much of what I talk about here. And that is what it was like to serve during the Trump years in Congress and also to campaign with the president and the chaos that is the country. And the book... Uh, you know, I, I wrote it when I was campaigning for the U.S. Senate or afterwards from Minnesota, the epicenter of what what has turned the country upside down. Minnesota exported covid lockdowns, but most importantly, they exported riots. And it's very, very critical of my home state and what it's done to the country. And it pertains to everybody. So we're going to what we're going to do at the bottom of the hour. The book is a tour de force about all things pol- political. Not just the culture wars, but also economics, also federalism, uh, states' rights, and all of that. But I've been talking about Bidenomics, and what I want to do at the bottom is to to give you a taste of the audio version of the book, is play a quick little five-minute sample at the bottom of the hour on why Bidenomics and the, the, the Biden budget blowout, Build Back Better, cannot stand what it's doing to the country. We'll play that for you, and if you like that audio tidbit, Go get the audio version of Party Animal at Audible. In the meantime, pass the salt and pepper. Well, actually, and this is a big part of the book as well, ironically, I served on the budget committee and we had to do three budget resolutions in 2017 because Obama didn't complete the final one. So we had to do one for 2017 and then one for 18 and 19. And we did. And part of those was the tax reform bill that eventually passed through Ways and Means and then got to the floor and and became law known as the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And a big part of that was something called SALT. It had nothing to do with your evening meal. This is the SALT that stands for State and Local Taxes. And for years and years and years, and let me just give you, speaking of trivia, And we can continue with some fun trivia on the Fab Four, but here's another one. What is the single most prevalent deduction on the federal level for income earners making more than $200,000 a year? 
Mm, mm, charitable deductions, martini lunches, mortgage. Guess what it is? Salt. Their deduction for state and local taxes. So if you live in Massachusetts, you live in New York, you live in Minnesota, I would argue North Carolina better cut taxes more or they're going to be in this, <laughs> this group too. Uh, if you live in California, you, before we reform the tax code, has a wealthy liberal could deduct all of the income tax and local tax and sales tax and property tax you paid in California. So let's say you're a Hollywood lefty making Uber money, and but you're, you're paying California two hundred grand a year. You could deduct that on your federal taxes. Now, you know what that meant? It meant you... Struggling to feed a family on forty grand a year had to pay more to make up for that loss. That was a federal subsidy to the highest tax states in the country. They loved it. So you know what we did in the 2017 tax reform bill I was proud to help shepherd through Congress? We eliminated the SALT deduction except for $10,000. And we figured that you know, you can deduct $10,000, the average property tax or what have you. That's fine. Personally, I would have eliminated it all, but 10000 was fine. Now there's a revolt in Congress amongst liberals, Republicans, and Democrats to reinstate a full SALT deduction. They're threatening a mutiny on Jason Smith's House Ways and Means Co- Committee, a new tax legislation that would extend the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, but they want SALT the salt limitation, the salt cap, eliminated. So that wealthy people in the highest, if you're living in Florida, you don't pay an income tax. So you get no federal tax deduction because you're not paying an income tax. But if you live in California and pay 200 grand a year, you can deduct all of that on your federal taxes. So that reduces the income tax you pay to the federal government. Well, you squeeze the toothpaste tube at one end, you got to realize what it's going to do to the other. And if the California fat cats, the Minnesota fat cats, the Oregon fat cats, the New York fat cats, the Massachusetts fat cats can deduct their state and local taxes, that means you in North Carolina have to pay more to make up the difference. And that's exactly why they want to reinstate it. Why on earth should the federal government be subsidizing people who live in high-tax states? If you don't like the taxes in St. Paul, in Raleigh, If you don't like them in Albany or Sacramento, you can do one of two things. Vote out Gavin Newsom and the lunatic governor of New York, the accidental governor, Phil Murphy of New Jersey, or get the hell out of there. And you don't have to worry about salt taxes or salt deduction. But understand that if you If you undo the caps we put on the state and local tax deduction, you are subsidizing high-tax states. You are encouraging state capitals. Well, we can raise taxes more because people who pay it get a federal deduction that offsets it. So we can just keep raising taxes. And that's why we eliminated it. And you know what we did when we eliminated it? The federal government was able to cut income tax rates. So what we did is by eliminating the SALT cap, or or excuse me, by putting in a SALT cap so they couldn't deduct it, 
That raised about $80 billion annually that we use to cut income tax rates for everybody, whether they live in a high-tax state or not. So be on the lookout for this. It's a little bit of a nuance, but it's going to be in the news more and more. And it has nothing to do with the opposite of pepper. This is the salt deduction that should not be. Again, I don't think there should be any reward for living in a high-tax state. Uh, So I think there should be no state and local tax deduction. You could lower income tax rates a lot more without that. But at the very least, keep the cap at $10,000 a year. All right, when we come back, we'll get back to the phones with Al and Terry and the rest of the gang. Also, uh, a little later in the program, we'll play that clip from my book, and we'll uh, we'll continue on. After- oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Another classic Supply. classic from the Will Fab Four on a Beetle Bumper Friday. We carry on now with, uh, is this Al, the Al Conklin of WBTV fame? Is he really on line two? Why, this guy's older than I am. That's impossible. Uh, no, Al? Quite so. Hey, Jason, how are you, buddy? Now, you couldn't have been back. You, you weren't on uh, the air back in 93, were you? It was. I had been in Charlotte about six months when McCartney came to okay. uh, Charlotte. So I remember everything that you and Boomer were talking about. And you had mentioned earlier about uh, when our Steve Crump had Steve Crump, that was it. Had some knowledge that he was going to be staying at the Dunhill and caught him coming out of that limo. I remember the conversation. He says, How, does, how do you like being in Charlotte? It's great, man. I just like you like what you do. It's great, man. That's what it was a great clip. He asked him about when he might be coming back, and he said, "Well, we're not sure, but the next time it's going to." He come off the, he came right off of the curb and looked right into the camera and said, "Next time it'll be at your place, mate." And Steve yeah. about lost it. it right, so and then funny. he and he just starts walking, running down the street towards the Dunhill. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it was now how whatever thing. a whatever happened to Steve Crump? Okay, well, Steve has had an ongoing uh, battle with cancer, oh. uh, but I'm happy to report that uh, he is in good shape now. Uh, five years out of, uh, you know, it's been five good. years ago, just about uh, two weeks ago, was the anniversary of when he was diagnosed with cancer. We had a very great uh, celebration with a lot of folks, Republicans and Democrats, yeah, in the that's same great. building, uh, sort of celebrating Steve's journey. And so he's doing real, real well, Jason. You know, that's good to hear. He was a great guy or is a great guy. And, you know, I, uh, I, if I memory serves me correctly, I had him on the show asking, how in the hell did you figure to park at the curb? And I think his recollection was he got a tip that he was staying downtown and just, just did it, went and staked it out. That's the kind of reporter that Steve is and was. Um, he, of course, is known very well for his documentaries, but he is a nightside reporter at heart and kind of breaking news and working yeah. fixtures. And he just got a clue from somebody who knew more than likely inside the Dunhill that, hey, there's going to be a limo parked right out this door at about 1115. 
That was. And sure enough, he was. That was a great time for Charlotte. I mean, that put Charlotte, a sleepy town at the time, on the map. I had just gotten here, and I know you were here then. uh, And it was, as you guys have been saying, cranes everywhere. It was just a boom city. Uh, You know, as John Hancock would say, you could, you know, you could. You could shoot a bazooka off downtown at 6 o'clock and not hit anything, but yeah. it's not that way now. It's changed so much, and, you know, a lot of people put a lot of effort into that. And, uh, you know, we can argue all day about whether or not it's good, you know, spending of tax dollars and whatnot, but <laughs> it is what it is now, you know. And, and just to kind of follow up on something else. All, all we need is another light rail line, Al. Come on. I'm sure the I'm, I'm sure the gang, the gang at, at Channel 3, you know, don't want to hear that, but. Well, you know, uh, just real quick, and I'll let you go, but all my friends up where I'm from home in New York, they're still mad at you for salt. Uh, but uh, you know what? It, it it actually, you know, one of the things that it did, it put pressure on their local reps up there That's to right. tighten budgets. It tightened budgets because no longer was there going to be the big write-off, and it was equalizing the playing field. Well, so, and, it, know, and it did kind of reveal... I mean, reveal, do you want tax cuts for the wealthy? This is the classic one. It's one of the biggest deductions that wealthy people take. So I thought all these New Yorkers were against that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the, 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 the regular Joes up there who are my friends, they, they appreciated that, but they also took a little bit of a beating. But it did, it did in a lot of ways level the playing field somewhat because those I, were, no you know it's funny you should you know, say that Al. More taxes, man. no no it's funny you should say that i had a doctor friend who was a supporter of mine when i was in politics and, and in congress who wouldn't talk to me after that and because he lived in high tax minnesota and it was a it was a hit for the wealthy um but again his i kept telling him your complaint is to saint paul your complaint is to albany or sacramento or raleigh for that matter they're the ones that are raising your taxes that you shouldn't get a tax write-off for it yeah no you you're you're spot on and uh as i said you know that's what's really hurting uh regular guys my friends who are cops and and just you know regular yeah, right, fellows exactly. up there they're all moving south now that they're at retirement age because they realize yes this was a place that we're from yes it's a place we raised our family but boy did we play de- pay dearly for it let's go somewhere else and well that's that's, that's the good thing when you want to talk to a new yorker you can just walk across the street in charlotte <laughs> because they're all there now <laughs> you're, you're not kidding about that you are right about that al good to hear your uh, voice my friend uh, uh thanks for chiming in come come back down sometime and by the way, I know I will not accept that anchor job on WBTV. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Al Conklin, everybody, from Channel 3 WBTV. Great to hear his voice as well. Appreciate the call in. Let's try Terry waiting patiently next on the Pete Callender Show with Jason Lewis. Uh, hey, Con- Congressman Lewis. How are you, sir? I, I have enjoyed you this week. Good. And I'll, uh, hey, Boomer, you're great, too. Boomer is fantastic. Um, I wasn't there in uh, 93, um, but uh, one fact has not been brought out. Yeah. When the Beatles, after their breakup, they were the only group, only band in rock and roll history to each have a number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, and I defy anybody to, to prove me wrong. Uh, you mean as singles, like like yeah, Ringo well, Starr, I mean, It Don't Come that. Easy, post-Beatles? Yes. Yeah. 
Well, everybody, it was so funny. When the Beatles broke up, everybody thought, what's going to happen to poor Ringo and poor George uh, when John and Paul were the driving forces? But those two had hits on the top ten before John and Paul. And they had uh, more than one. Oh, yeah. Ringo Starr had it, Don't Come Easy. George Harrison had My Sweet Lord. And John had Imagine. Paul McCartney had Band on the Run. I mean, they were a phenomenal group. Talent, yeah. Who was the most prolific? Put you on the spot here. Of all the Beatles, who was the most prolific, the best songwriter, the best, not musician per se? Oh, I but I think Paul McCartney was by far. I think so. I think so too. I'm glad you, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Paul McCartney's pop music. And if you look at the ballads, you look at Band on the Run, you look at the rock stuff, there's no question Paul yeah. McCartney was the most pro- prolific. I mean, I'm Jason Lewis, I but mean, we got to run, my friend. We had to run. Our band's on the run right now, getting ready for news. <laughs> Stick around. More coming right up. Don't go away. Probably the best bit in that Get Back movie that was released was, I can't remember what it was. Disney, I think it was. Disney streaming had the Get Back uh, movie, uh, the making of Let It Be. The best part of that was McCartney coming up with that intro to Get Back. Just out of the blue. I mean, just amazing talent. That really is. Um, we'll continue with our uh, Beetle Bumper Friday stuff a little later and probably next segment. But as I promised, I wanted to get back to the failure of Bidenomics because there's a lot in the press these days, especially the business press, which has been <laughs> warped as well, about, well, we're going to have a soft landing. Um, the, the Biden administration, Janet Yellen, Jerome Powell at the Fed, they've done it just right. We're going to wring inflation out of the economy and without a recession, it's going to be just fine. Now, they're not talking about $4 a gallon gasoline where we're headed again. Price of oil way up. Pork way up. Groceries still high. The price of homes so high in Charlotte, young people can't afford them. So it isn't a soft landing, and it never will be as long as we continue to spend like drunken sailors. Except that's not fair to drunken sailors, as the Gipper used to say. Um, this is the bottom line. Nothing matters more than spending. Keep your eye on the prize. It doesn't matter whether they borrow to finance government, whether they inflate to finance government, whether they tax to finance government. It all comes out of your pocket. So when I wrote Party Animal, the truth about President Trump, power politics and the partisan press, I wanted a chapter on economics in there because I talk a lot about it on the radio. I have over the years. And so I, I used um, COVID and a few other things to, to try to impart a little econ in the book. And then when I recorded it uh, for the audible version of Party Animal, I thought, this sounds like a darn monologue. And obviously, I want to sell my book. But more importantly than that, I want you to read it. I want you to hear it. So what I thought we would do to try to explain the economics and the failure of Bidenomics and the Build Back Better plan was to literally play a quick clip uh, of, of Party Animal, the Audible version at, at Audible, or the audio version at Audible and iTunes for you that explains and give you a little taste of what the audio version of my book sounds like. Rural tape. We know In order we to fund it. the unprecedented spending, go. tax receipts would have to rise far above the historical post-World War II average of 18% of national income. Worse, Biden's plan would hit small business just as hard as rich coupon clippers. The top individual tax rate rose to over 40%, including various surcharges, but that includes small pass-through businesses that report their income on their individual returns. It cuts by half estate tax relief in the TC&JA and eliminates 
puts the 20% deduction on qualified business income, which we installed to even the playing field with big corporations. Nevertheless, Build Back Better still doesn't come close to paying for itself. It comes atop an ill-advised trillion-dollar green infrastructure bill and massive COVID relief bills that have totaled over $6 trillion. In September of 2020, the CBO predicted that the federal debt wouldn't hit close to $30 trillion until 2028. A year later, it already stood at $29 trillion and rising. And these debt estimates don't include the latest Democrat spending blowouts in a budget of more than $6 trillion, up over a trillion dollars in just a year. As tax revenues come up short and debt markets approach their limits, a market taper tantrum has begun. The Fed could continue to underwrite a put on the market, forestalling the inevitable correction for a little while, but they finally seem to understand that's throwing gasoline on their own fire. By May of 2022, inflation was running at its highest in 40 years, with consumer prices going up by 8.6% over the preceding 12 months. Energy prices skyrocketed by 34.6% from the previous year, and groceries almost 12%. Biden remarkably tried to spin it all as an incredible transition away from fossil fuels. The annualized rate is likely higher, since a traditional fixed basket of goods approach has given way to a chain-weighted CPI that allows for substitute goods, making inflation seem lower than it is. Wholesale producer prices shot up as well, soaring 9.6% in late 2021 for the largest calendar year increase since data were first calculated in 2010. As I used to tell folks on the campaign trail, if you didn't live through Jimmy Carter, you're about to get a second chance. Better put on that cardigan and turn down the thermostat. Easy money made financing big government painless for Washington and Wall Street. When the Federal Open Market Committee, FOMC, buys T-bills from money center banks, it increases funds available for lending to consumers or other banks above the established reserve requirement. The banks make more loans and come out fine because they and their borrowers get the funds first. The inflation that comes later takes a bite out of those left in the actual job market. After the last housing bubble burst, policymakers did require a bit more skin in the down payment game in order to cool off housing markets, but that was no match for the Fed's relentless quantitative easing, or QE. It used to be that the FOMC would buy and sell short-term treasuries to control interest rates as well as the money supply in a fractional reserve banking system. Now they're gobbling up billions in longer-term debt, including mortgage-backed securities. They have become the lender of first, not last, resort. There really is no other way to finance a federal budget this big without turning the printing presses on and keeping government borrowing costs low. Capital markets simply couldn't absorb it without interest rates at 25%, and neither could the taxpayer. Unfortunately, with cheap credit and rising asset prices, borrowers start speculating in boom-and-bust fashion. Bubbles invariably lead to massive liquidations, write-downs, and recessions once businesses realize that the costs of their investments can't be justified at inflationary prices. Sometimes, as it happened in Japan, a deflationary cycle ensues due to excess capacity built up by zombie companies. Then you reach what I call the reverse stimulus effect. Throwing more money at it only makes it worse. As Milton Friedman reminded us, inflation is always a monetary phenomenon. Liberals love it because it lets them raise a stealth tax without taking a vote. Indeed, federal receipts are way up with rising wages that nonetheless fail to keep up with the cost of living. 
Biden's chief of staff retweeted Jason Furman's contention that inflation is a high-class problem because, said the former chair of Obama's Economic Council, there was a good reason for the inflation, namely low unemployment. Furman's shopworn notion is best exemplified by discredited Phillips Curve adherents who claim that inflation and unemployment work in opposite directions. It's been disproven over and over again, from the Carter-era stagflation to current supply chain problems that occur when government has one foot on the monetary gas and the other on the tax and regulatory brakes. You must allow markets to clear and be willing to endure a correction, as former Fed Chairman Paul Volcker did during the early 80s. And there you have it. That is a little taste of sort of the economic deep dive I go into in the book. And it can can make the eyes glaze over. It's, it's not something you want to listen to first thing in the morning. But it will give you a better understanding of economics and why spending and easy money is never, ever going to work. So if you like that, go to Audible or iTunes and pick up an audio version of Party Animal the truth about President Trump, power politics, and the partisan press. All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. I do believe this tune, or that tune, uh, was uh, at the Blockbuster Pavilion in 93 as well. Okay, wrapping things up for a uh, Friday and a week here on the Pete Callender Show. My thanks to everybody who's participated and helped. Bernie, Chris, George, and the gang at WBT, always a pleasure. But most of all, my thanks to all of you. And I hope you stay in touch by subscribing to jasonlewis.substack.com newsletter, as well as uh, getting my book, Party Animal. You can get the hardcover copy, the ebook, or as I say, the audible version we just played for you. Let's take a squeeze in a call or two before we say uh, goodbye for a Friday. But right now, Stan, very, very, very patient guy, uh, is on WBT. Yeah, hi, Jason. I wonder, are the Beatles left concert? I'm sure you know when that was, correct? Well, on the rooftop in in. Uh, well, I'm talking London about, I'm talking about that was four songs. I'm talking about the last official concert. Well, I'm going to okay. go for San Francisco, 1966. Okay, yeah, uh, August, August. But here's the thing that's about that: the Beatles' first album didn't come out until '63, '63, and they broke up in '70. So that means that about two thirds of their music was never heard live in concert at all and yet you think about that and then look at the impact they had on history and culture oh yeah you have to sit oh, there no. and marvel at that you'll never see another like it now i will say this mccartney when he was on one of his recent u.s tours went to memphis to play at fedex and went to graceland where i've been several times and said he was blown away by the impact presley had who still holds the record for most records ever sold so you know, it, it, the only honest thing Gary Hart ever said was there are no new ideas. Everybody builds upon everybody. So Elvis built upon rockabilly and, and the blues in the South. The Beatles grabbed skiffle and rock and the blues and created their. But I will say this, without a Presley and certainly without the Beatles, the, the rock revolution wouldn't have ever got off the ground. It, I mean, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have ever happened. 
We would have never I happened. Tell you, you look at the bagels. You look at my, my most performers who are around, like, in the several generations following that, more of them would say that who believed in the most was the Beatles over any other artist. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's no question about it. It was it was a phenomenal time to be a young person and listen. To, you, you couldn't wait for the next Beatles album. And when Sgt. Pepper came out, I remember it vividly. I was about 12, ran up to the Ben Franklin store, got the album. I couldn't figure out what these guys were doing in these band outfits. Um, I, I, I knew all I recognized the faces on the cover. But then I listened to the album. And it was like, you know, a transformation, right? And what you could, what was really fascinating about the Beatles, and I do think this, this is how culturally they influenced everybody along, music, along with musical, uh, their musical contributions, but how, they, how you could watch them grow with each album. And there's a great debate to this day on when the moppy haired, you know, bubblegum chewing four lads from Liverpool became this this evil counterculture impact on young people in America. And what album denoted that? Was it Rubber Soul? Was it Revolver? Was it Sgt. Pepper? I mean, the evolution of their music was amazing to watch. Yeah, it's almost like you could see history unfolding as you watch each album come out. Right, but you know what's still fascinating about that? People, okay, you look at Sgt. Pepper, my favorite track is the side two of Abbey Road, the medley, um, which, by the way, John Lennon hated, but I think it's, you know, Polythene Pam, and then she came in through the bathroom window, I could listen to that forever, right? But you still go back to Not a Second Time on Meet the Beatles, their first American big LP. It's still a classic song. I know it's, they were just a great, great band all the way around. And, and there's some kids today that talk about how good their music is in comparison. Oh, you come on. Don't know what they're talking about. I, had, I did introduce my oldest daughter to the Beatles, and she's become a huge fan. Um, just a huge fan. So it's hard to say which is the best album, too. I mean, I think Rubber Soul holds up pretty darn well with all of them. You Won't See Me, and I'm Looking Through You. Could have been number one hits in any other era. All right, well, Jason, I'm going to enjoy your show. Stan, thank you. Appreciate the call. Uh, it, it is fun to uh, lighten the load a little bit on a Beetle Bumper Friday and talk about this stuff because if you don't have diversions in your life, it, mine happens to be reading and golf these days, but people always ask me, and I love talk radio, don't get me wrong, huge Rush fan. He had a m- massive influence on me along with Paul Harvey. But when I was doing this full-time, and people would say, okay, what do you listen to? What shows do you listen to when you're done? When you were in Congress on the campaign trail, what would you listen to just to take a break? It was always music. It was always old classic rock hits from the 60s, 70s, perhaps first part of the 80s. I can think of one or two from the 90s. That's about it. And I will say this, and I know everybody's going to roll their eyes at this, especially you young people. But every generation says their music was the best. But here's the dirty little secret. Ours really was. <laughs> there will there will not be a time again when you have the likes of the revolution in music in 60s, 70s. And it's not just the pop rock stuff. I mean, I can go back to the to the 40s and 50s and you listen to the crooners, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and and all of these guys, Nat King Cole and Louis Armstrong. The, the, the music we we were blessed to have in the middle of the 20th century was 
I mean, we'll never have it again. And we certainly don't have it now with what passes for music. Now, the young people are saying there's an old guy talking on the radio about his music and his time. But I'm crossing genres here. It's just not. And, and I understand classical music is much, much more difficult to write. It's a difference between an op-ed and writing a book. It takes much more effort. But there's still something to a great pop song that's got a great melody that sticks in your head and elevates your mood every time you hear it. And when I look at what happened in Washington when I was there and what's happened since, uh, I think we could all use a little mood elevation, which is a great thing about Friday, which is one of the reasons when I was on the radio, I started Beetle Bumper Friday. Let's lift this up a little bit. We got the weekend coming up. We can let our hair down, have some fun, listen to some great tunes, hit, hit a bucket of golf balls and uh, kick your feet up and relax. Once again, my thanks to everybody involved here and everybody at WBT for this week. My thanks to Pete Callender for letting me fill in. He'll be back on Monday, and I can hardly wait to do it again sometime. So have a great weekend to all of you out there. Uh, it's going to be – Is it good? what did Boomer say? Is it going to be nice? Yeah, Boomer said it was going to be nice, right? It's going to be a little bit rainy today, but tomorrow Carolina sun and 90 degrees. Panthers are getting ready to kick off a season. I mean, come on. What's not to like? You got to be optimistic with some of this stuff because if you look at the um, the news above the fold, as they say, it's pretty easy to get to get down, as I say. Anyway, my thanks to everybody at WBT. Always a pleasure. Most importantly, my thanks to all of you and so many familiar voices I hear every time I'm back, and we'll look forward to it again. I'm Jason Lewis. Have a great weekend. You're on News Talk 1110-993-WBT.